Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sign Guy Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Sign Guy and QT with you like normal. Real fast before we jump into it with our guests, some show notes. If you're looking for some wrestling this week, WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana tonight, as usual. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio. Rumble on the River in Manchester, Ohio. HCW in Terre Haute, Indiana. New Wave Pro also in Terre Haute, Indiana. HPW in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Tomorrow night, AACW in Kokomo, Indiana. BMFX in Lafayette, Indiana. DPW in Jeffersonville, Indiana, KZW in Shopville, Kentucky, Seeger Mania in Lebanon, Indiana, IPW in Muncie, Indiana, FWF in Warsaw, Indiana, EHF in Elkhart, Indiana, WTF in Carmel, Indiana, EPW in Odin, Indiana, Supreme Wrestling in Madison, Indiana, SICW in Arendelle, Illinois, DPEW in Orlando, Florida, WXW in Mineola, Florida, Rocky Mountain Pro in Inglewood, Colorado, 907 Wrestling in Anchorage, Alaska, Swag Wrestling in Henry, Tennessee, AWF in Phoenix, Arizona, AAPW in Austin, Texas, and IWA hosting a benefit show in Millville, New Jersey tomorrow. Without any further ado, I want to welcome our guest to the show. It is his first time, someone I have shared a locker room with on occasion. Always a great time to see him. We're happy to have him. Omega, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I appreciate you having me, Sign Guy. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, our pleasure. And since, like I said, it is your first time with us, I will start you out with our traditional first-timer question. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? Man, my – so I I don't know how far back in life most people remember, but I know, like, for me, some of my earliest memories, I mean, of childhood, were sitting on my big sister's lap watching Monday Night Raw. You know, I got a, I got five older sisters, and my oldest sister was a huge wrestling fan. You know, they're they're all significantly older than I am. You know, I'm I'm 28, so you know I can remember watching not only like Monday Night Raw live with her as a kid, but I can remember she'd be watching VHS tapes. You know, Ultimate Warrior, Razor Ramon, Tatanka. You know, Bam Bam Bigelow. You know, she'd be watching tapes from you know the 80s. She'd be watching you know. ECW, you know, I can remember watching all these things as a kid. You know, that's what I grew up on, man. And, and it was just one of the things that was captivating. You know, so much action. It was so 
exciting and loud and and I'm not going to lie, you know, violent, you know. I I, I grew, we we grew up in a little bit rougher part of town. So, you know, even just that little bit of, you know, element of danger and excitement and violence, it was all so cool to me as a kid. And and it was just one of the things that latched on to me as a kid and didn't let go when I became an adult. Now, when you enter the business and you're on shows that have some of these guys that you were watching on Monday Night Raw or on the VHS tapes, what's going through your mind when you're a peer and on the same level that they are? It's it's wild. You know, it's, it's unreal. You know, that, that some of these guys that you grew up idolizing, you know, you're – you're sharing a locker room with them, you know, you're, you're on the same shows with them. You know, some of them, you know, you may even be lucky enough to be in the ring with, you know, it's, it, it's unreal. You know, it's, it's, it's like being a kid and, you know, sitting next to Batman on a bus, you know, you look over and it's like, Oh man, it's Bruce Wayne right there. You know, it's, 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 it's wild. Some of these guys that, you know, I grew up idolizing these, these larger than life individuals. And it's like, man, we're, we're right here together. You know, and like I said, I've been lucky enough to share rings with some of them. Uh, I've had some of them watch my matches and critique my matches for me, you know, and even just, you know, an occasional compliment from some of them. Uh, I, I remember, like, as, as, as a loudmouth guy myself, you know, Jimmy Hart was, like, one of the coolest guys in the world. You know, this other loudmouth Southern dude, you know, uh, I, I remember I was working a show down in Tennessee, uh, USA Championship Wrestling, and uh, Jimmy Hart was walking through the locker room, and, you know, I was, I was always taught, you know, show up, you know, dress to impress, you know, show up for the job you want, not the job you got. So, you know, I pull up to the stadium, you know, I'm walking in the locker room, you know, shirt and tie, fitted real nice. Uh, Jimmy Hart stops me walking in the locker room. He passes me. He puts his hand out. He's like, young man, I'm going to need you to go home and change. Just kind of looked up at him. He starts giggling. He's like, "I refuse to not be the dressed best man on um, the best dressed man in the locker room." And he shakes my hand and starts laughing. You know, pats me on the shoulder, keeps going. I'm like, "Man, Jimmy Hart just told me I got style. That's, that's all I need for tonight. I don't even need to get paid tonight. Jimmy Hart just told me I got style." I hope you did get paid anyway, though. <laughs> Now, one of the things that uh, some of the fans might know, some of them may not, is you are a big fitness guy. Uh, You've worked in the fitness industry alongside pro wrestling for several years. A lot of the listeners, be they wrestlers themselves or people that just want to be in better condition, I'm sure, are new to that. What are some of the gym tips that you would have to someone that is a novice as far as going to a gym and starting to work out? Accountability. Hold yourself accountable for everything you do, you know, and and that's whether it's holding yourself accountable for doing your best while you're there you know, because it, it, a, a, a common misconception, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I went to the gym or I went for this run. So, you know, I'm better off for it. Unpopular opinion, that's not always true. You know, if if you didn't put effort into it, the fact that you were physically there doesn't always mean a whole lot. You know, when you do something, you got to do something. You got to do it with conviction. 
You got to do it with purpose. You never just want to go through the motions of something. You know, it's like anything in life. You know, if you're going to do it, put meaning to it. Put purpose behind it. Put conviction to it. You know, and then the, the, the other side of accountability is you got to hold yourself accountable for doing it, not only on the days where it's fun or like you feel like doing it. There's going to be some days you don't want to do it. But that's what separates those who are okay from those who are great. That's what separates those who are truly successful at something from those who, you know, may, may sort of get something here and there. You know, the people who are great at something, they do it even when they don't feel like doing it. You know, they do it when they're tired. They do it when they don't feel 100%. They do it when they notice something else that they could probably be doing otherwise. You know, they do it anyway. And even the things that they don't like as much, they the things that they hate, they will do those things that they hate as if they love them. You know, you got if if you if you truly want results, you truly want to get ahead at something, you have to hold yourself accountable for doing it even when you don't want to. Even those things that you don't want to do. You gotta make yourself do those things as if you love them. As somebody that does work in the fitness industry, do you get a lot of your fellow wrestlers coming to you for advice on working out or dietary supplements or things of that nature? I do. And 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 that's a really cool feeling. You know, it's 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 always cool, you know, when when you know, when one of the boys, you know, holds you in any kind of regard for anything. But, you know, especially with something like this, man, you know, it's uh so some a lot of people don't know about me. Uh body dysmorphia. You know, I've I've had a messed up image of myself, you know, basically my entire life. So then to be in a position where other people ask me my advice on how to be in shape or how to be healthy or how to get this kind of result or what they can do, you know, for this, like it's 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 very humble and feeling. It it really is. You mentioned uh, USA Championship Wrestling in Tennessee, and they were a televised promotion regionally in Tennessee. One of the things a lot of wrestlers will get into at some point in their career, especially uh, when they're getting towards the end of the entering days, is commentary. A lot of wrestlers like to dabble in commentary just so they have the background in case they decide to do it full-time. Did you ever get the chance, be it on that show or any other, to do any commentary being a well-spoken individual? I think I lost you for just a second, uh, sign guy. I heard you say commentary. I I missed a bit before that. I was saying, uh, since you were at uh, Championship Wrestling in Tennessee, which had television, uh, did you ever dabble in commentary to kind of have the background in case you ever wanted to go into it later on full time? Um, I did not, unfortunately. Uh, me and Bert Prentice, um, God rest his soul, uh, we had talked about it a few times, but unfortunately it was never something that actually um, came to fruition before he passed. Uh, is commentary anything that you ever, since that time, gave thought to, not only 
as like a guest commentator, but years and years down the line when the in-ring was slowing down as a possible full-time career, seeing how you are a well-spoken individual? Oh, of course. I, I, I refuse to deprive the world of the enjoyment and the ability to hear my voice 24-7. I feel like that'd just be wrong of me. That would be a shame for sure. <laughs> now, one of the things uh, that you had going on when I first met you was you were involved in a stipulation match. It was a strap match, as I recall it. And I know that you, over the years, have been in a few different stipulation matches. What's been, to this point, your favorite stipulation match to do? Ooh, favorite stipulation match. Off the top of my head, uh, steel cage matches are always a lot of fun. Uh, had a few ladder matches, had a tables match one time. That was kind of cool. Um, uh, worked a show in, uh, I want to say it was in a Centerville, Tennessee. And, uh, it was a town, uh, with a, uh, coal mine on the outskirts of it. And we actually worked, uh, we, we actually put on an old fashioned, uh, coal miners glove on a pole match. <laughs> Which I mean, that, that, that was kind of cool, you know. That was, that was a bit of a throwback. Um, top of my head, probably go steel cage. Always some excitement to have on be had inside of a cage. They definitely are a popular attraction for fans. With the stipulation matches, oftentimes they lead to wrestlers being cut up and bloodied and so forth. There's a lot of varying opinions on blood as it relates to pro wrestling here in 2021. Some people feel that there's no place for it, knowing what we know about bloodborne pathogens. Some people think there's a time and a place for it. Some people are all for blood on every show. Where do you fall as far as what you think blood and pro wrestling should be like together in 2021 I'm big on uh responsibility so you know uh even uh with the pathogen thing you know you can you can always test somebody you know I know um, a lot of companies uh you have to have like certain blood tests and blood records on file anyway uh but I mean in terms of just the blood itself uh, and actually, you know, I, I think I'm actually backpedaling on my last answer on the steel cage. Um, tap, or, uh, tap out or knockout matches will probably uh, go down as one of my favorite stipulations to be in uh, for the same reason that, you know what, I'm cool with blood, you know, happening in matches. Uh, it takes me back to my roots in MMA. You know, it takes me back to my MMA days. You know, I love the tap out or knockout type matches that I've gotten to be in. Um Again, it just dives me right back into my past before pro wrestling, and I think that's why I'm okay with, you know, blood being a part of pro wrestling. It's like, you know what? It happens. You know, sometimes, sometimes, you know, the situation gets taken up to the next level. You know, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you, you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, put a whooping on somebody. Sometimes you got to bash somebody's head in. 
You know, it, it, it just is what it is. Uh, I think there's ways that, you know, stuff can be done responsibly, but I'm, I'm not one of those guys who's going to say that blood does not have a place in professional wrestling. You know, I've, I've, I've been open. I'm, I know I've busted numerous other people open. You know, it's a little blood here and there. I ain't never hurt nobody. Fair enough. One of the things that a lot of wrestlers turn to in the pandemic era in order to keep some income flowing was merchandise. A lot of wrestlers were selling T-shirts, photos, coffee cups online. Uh, The wrestlers lucky enough to still have live events that entire time were selling as many products as they could since attendance was down on a lot of places. The merchandising became even more important for independent wrestlers, I think, than at any point. What's your merchandise game been like throughout your career? When I first started out, uh, I, I, I was lazy about it. You know, I, I'll be honest. When I first started out, you know, I had some of the most – just, I mean, just, just sloppy, just, just uninspired, generic-looking merch that you know you, you'd ever seen in your life. Um, two guys who really helped me step my merchandising game up uh, through conversations with them. Uh, one was uh, Chris Silvio, uh, which, I mean, shout out to Chris Silvio, awesome guy, extremely helpful. You know, ha- has been extremely instrumental to a lot of young guys out there. Um, another one, and who a, a guy who I probably think is one of the best, I mean, self-promoting uh, merchandising and like branding guys in the entire industry, uh, Schwartzy. You know, uh, Indiana's own. You know, Schwartzy. That man knows marketing so well that I mean, it's not even funny. He he has created and recreated and reimagined brands for himself so many times and it's always fresh and it's always inspired and I mean if if you spend five minutes talking to Schwartzy about, you know, self promotion and about branding, about merchandising, he will put you on game so hard it's not even funny. Um and one of the things he helped me understand was the ability to really promote yourself, to really brand yourself through your merchandising, you know, uh so I started to create T-shirts and thermals and things that could be worn, you know, uh, uh, that, that uh, the fabric they're made out, of, uh, made out of made really good workout clothes to the point that, like, a lot of the gyms that I was training out of, you know, my clients or even just, like, friends of mine would be walking around in, you know, these maroon and gold or, you know, olive green and gold T-shirts with the pitbull head on it. And people thought that that was a legitimate, you know, athletic brand. You know, like, like people thought this is something like, you know, Adidas or Gymshark or, you know, one of these. Everybody wants to know what that Pitbull head was, you know. And I ended up getting a lot of exposure through the branding of these T-shirts. You know, it, it, it looked it looked fresh. It looked like something that, you know, you would have sold in, you know, like a big sporting goods or an athletic apparel store. You know, so the past few years, definitely stepped my merchandising game up. One of the more underlooked aspects of pro wrestling is something a lot of people may not 
really appreciate until they don't have it, but photographers are very important. They not only capture the moments of a show and let fans kind of relive those moments or experience them for the first time, even though they couldn't be at the arena, but they also provide a lot of merchandise to wrestlers. A lot of those photos end up on T-shirts, coffee mugs, and what have you. They're very important for the wrestling business, and a lot of people got their start in the business via photography. Who would you say are some of the better photographers that you've come across so far in your career? First and foremost would probably be Mouse. Uh, which, I mean, anybody who, you know, probably anybody who's wrestled the Midwest, Mid-South, you know, off top knows who Mouse is. Uh, the man's photography is, I mean, absolutely impeccable. Um, I've gotten to know a few uh, throughout the years. Um, when I first broke in, uh, the man who did photography for the company that I originally worked for, uh, his name was Rick Levine. Uh, we used to call him Meatball. Uh, Meatball, unfortunately, is no longer with us. He uh, unfortunately passed, but a lot of my uh, early pictures that, you know, I would use on social media and a lot of my uh, early pictures that I would use uh, for merchandise, uh, Meatball took, you know, and he he would also, like, even, like, edit pictures for us. Uh, He had really good editing skills. He had Photoshop skills. He could make, uh, you know, computer graphics for us. Like, I mean, he he was just... I mean, he was very well-versed um, in all those things. But, uh, I mean, there's a few, uh, and, and you're absolutely right. Like, I think photography is a vastly underrated aspect of the business. I think you're spot on with Mouse, and even people up here in the Pacific Northwest know Mouse as he made his way up here for the first time a couple of months ago, so he is definitely branching out. Another popular form of merchandise and something that is going to probably be popular on people's Christmas gift list this year are the wrestling books. A lot of wrestlers have come out with autobiographies or books about the history of wrestling or just any number of subjects involving wrestling. Uh, You see them often at merchandise tables. Of course, bookstores have several different books on wrestling. But there's a lot out there. What are some of the better books dealing with pro wrestling that you would recommend the listeners check out this season? I personally am very interested in uh, John Moxley's uh, autobiography. Uh, I, I, I really, really, really look forward to reading that one here soon. Um, one of the first that I've read, I mean, is still, uh, one of my big recommendations, uh, Mick Foley's have a nice day. I mean, that, that, you know, it won't, it, reading him chronicle, I mean, some of his early adventures, not only, you know, in pro wrestling, but in life, you know, and hearing him retell stories of, you know, he, even him, it's like, you know, hitchh- I'm hitchhiking to Madison Square Garden as, you know, a teenager, just like a lot of, you know, like a lot of his upbringing. Like it's, Mick Foley's Have a Nice Day is probably still my go-to recommendation. 
We have a game on the show that we like to play. We call it Word Association. I'll throw out the names of some people that you most likely have come across in your career, and the first word that springs to mind is the answer. Are you prepared to play around the Word Association? Yes, sir. All right, here we go. First name, Madman Pondo. Crazy. Tracy Smothers. Giving. Amazing Maria. (laughs) Feisty. Buck Sexton. Loud. Kayla Cassidy. Charming. Mickey Knuckles. (laughs) Real. Congo Kong. Generous. The GK fam. Outlandish. Scott Diamond. Grandpa. The last name on the list, Legendary Larry D. Driven. One of the places that has always been on a lot of wrestlers' wish lists to travel to for wrestling is Japan. In the last few years before the pandemic, it was becoming much easier for an independent wrestler to be able to go to Japan for wrestling than at any other point in time. Is Japan a place that you've ever consciously thought of going to for your career? Absolutely. 150%. Now, do you enjoy the Japanese style of wrestling, or is it just a place in the world that you would like to go to to visit and look at the culture, or is it kind of a combination of the two? Combination of the two. Um, I've always had a great respect and a great appreciation of uh, Japanese culture uh, as a whole. Uh, the architecture, the art, you know, the cuisine. Uh, I've always had great appreciation of Japanese culture. But uh, Japanese wrestling, like that, that, that Japanese wrestling style, has always been so cool to me, man. Uh, the, the Kenta Kabashis, the Minoru Suzuki's, Antonio Inoki, like it, I, I would absolutely love to be able to go spend some time and wrestle in Japan. 
Uh, we're in the midst of a Minoru Suzuki U.S. tour where he hit AEW, Impact Wrestling, and a few independent promotions. Did you ever think you'd see the day when Minoru Suzuki came to the U.S. and was just wrestling seemingly random American wrestlers throughout the country? I did not, and, man, I would sell my left foot tomorrow to be at the front of that line. I'm not sure what I would do with your left foot if it were to become available for sale, but I would look at the price of it for sure. (laughs) As we know, pro wrestling is a sport where you can house it basically anywhere there's enough space to fit a ring, and promoters will do so. We've seen wrestling held in parking lots, in bowling alleys, in VFW halls, in school gyms, in uh, horse barns on occasion. There's so many places wrestling has appeared. Going through all of the shows you have done so far in your career, do you have that one favorite venue that you most liked for whatever reason? I think I've got two. Uh, The one that immediately jumps out to me is uh, the Omen Arena in uh, Jackson, Tennessee, which just, you know, all kinds of history in that building. The amount of great matches, the amount of, I mean, legendary talent, you know, that has competed there. And even just, I mean, the sheer size and the magnitude of it, you know, it's just, it's, it's a very, very special place to be able to compete. And, I mean, I've, I was, I was fortunate enough to be able to have, I mean, some of my most fun, some of my most exciting matches uh, in the Omen Arena. Uh, I got to wrestle Blake Christian in the Omen Arena. Uh, I got to wrestle Alex Zane in the Omen Arena. Almost got a chance to wrestle Jerry the King Lawler in the Omen Arena. Uh, So it's definitely one, I mean, that's always going to be near and dear to my heart. Uh, The other one that stands out, uh, actually, uh, me and GK fam, uh, went up to uh, Winona, Minnesota last year and wrestled a ba- um, wrestled a show at the Black Horse uh, Bar and Saloon in Minnesota in the middle of a snowstorm. You know, a few I think it was about 150, almost 200 people showed up to a bar in Minnesota to watch a wrestling show. And like that's that's just one of them things that you know, as a wrestling memory that always stand out. That definitely sounds like one. One of the things that a lot of young wrestlers don't really appreciate until they've been into the business for at least a year or so probably is the need for a quality gear bag. Uh, That's basically what you keep your livelihood in and transport not only locally, but some cases all around the country, some cases all around the world. So you want to have something that's going to be durable enough to protect all the things you need to be able to do your livelihood. Based on what you have had and what you have seen in locker rooms, 
Do you have any specific gear bag advice for the young wrestler? I got two. Uh, one, like you said, you know, this is it, it, it should be sturdy, it should be durable, uh, it should be presentable. You know, uh, you, you you would never see, you know, uh, LeBron James or Tom Brady walk into you know the stadium or walk into the arena to go play a game with all of their stuff in you know a ratty looking gym bag or a garbage bag or a hefty bag. You know, you, you, you wouldn't see it. You know, perception is reality, and your presentation is everything. So not only should it be durable, you know, it should be not only should it be sturdy, it should be well-kept. You know, it should look – it shouldn't look like it's about to fall apart on you. It shouldn't look like, you know, you've, you've had it for the last 50 years. Even if you had, you know, take care of it. Take care of your stuff. The second, clean it. Clean it inside and out. Clean your gear bag. Clean your gear. And that 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 uh, young talent, old talent, any talent who's listening to that, clean your gear every show, every time. Not when you feel like it. Not once it can't pass sniff test anymore. Every single time. Clean your gear. Clean your gear bag. Law. That is fantastic advice right there. Well, it. At this point, my co-host QT Vokes is standing by, and I know he has questions. So, Thez, help you as I pass things over to QT for a bit. Well, thank you, Sungai. Hello, Mr. Omega. How you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Mr. Omega, I'd like to expand on Sungai's word association, if I may. A one-subject uh, word association. Are you ready for an expanded word association. Absolutely. I was, I was hoping for it. <laughs> oh, okay. Dylan McQueen. Ooh. Authentic. Okay. Very good. And I'd like to uh, congratulate you with your one-word answers on word association. You're the rare wrestler that we have had on the show that have kept his uh, – um, replies to one word, just like a good patient on a psychiatrist couch. Congratulations. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it, it wasn't easy. The, the the names y'all gave me, those were not easy names to keep to one word. Like, it's, oh, it, it, it was a challenge. Oh, okay. Very good. All right. Well, Mr. Omega, is your new business venture a, is it a series of workout places called Pitbull Fitness? So um, originally, uh, Pitbull Fitness was just the name given uh, to all of my services, which included uh, originally we started doing in-home personal training sessions uh, for those who might be immune compromised or live with somebody who was immune compromised who couldn't make it to a gym then it expanded into uh, also doing um, providing uh, workout plans, meal plans, uh, in-person training uh, in a facility in Indiana, which then uh, transferred over to our own independent studio. Um, so now Pitbull Fitness is the name of not only the studio, but just universally every service that we provide under that umbrella. How much would it mean to you if the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, showed up at your studio and he did a 
celebrity bench press or say a deadlift of 800 pounds, would you then put a plaque on the on your wall of your studio uh, that said, here is the spot where Mark Henry deadlifted 800 pounds or maybe squatted 900? Would you put up a plaque? I would have a small statue of Mark Henry built inside the studio. I, I, I would get like a marble bust of Mark Henry's head put up. Oh, well, you know, now you could cut your overhead expenses by getting some um, uh, coat hangers, wire coat hangers, and then uh, uh, putting paper mache over the coat hangers. You can make a reasonable bust of Mark Henry with coat hangers and paper mache. <laughs> Only with my art skills, you wouldn't be able to tell if it was Mark Henry, George Washington, or Cher. Oh, okay. Ooh, wow. All right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, Mr. Omega, I saw your YouTube video entitled Omega D versus Kid Wrestling, and this was a coal miner's glove on a pole match that took place in Kentucky. My first question is, had you faced the Tasmanian Devil whirlwind that is Kid Wrestling before? So uh, that match was actually in Tennessee. Uh, oh, okay. But, yes, that me and Kid Wrestling had locked up numerous times before then. And yeah, ta- ta- Tasmanian Devil is probably the uh, accurate term to put to that one. Oh, okay. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, Mr. Omega, what struck me about the venue that this took place in was that towards the entrance side for the wrestlers and down to one side of the ring, wrestling fans were seated in church-style pews. This reminded me of the TNA superstar and street preacher named Pope. Were you a big fan of Pope himself? I was. Oh, okay. All right. Do you remember a seminal moment in TNA history when Samoa Joe came down to the ring and confronted a Pope in the ring and told him, you often hit up the wrestlers and the fans for cash donations to be taken down to the local food banks, but I checked with the local food banks and showed him your picture, Pope, and all of them said that not only did you not drop off any canned goods, but you repeatedly took cans of Beanie Weenies and Dinty Moore beef stew. Do you remember this? I do not, but I've known a lot of wrestling preachers, and that, that sounds about right. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I, it struck me when the Pope first addressed the crowd that someone was going around videotaping him, and he wanted to know who was uh, infringing upon his privacy, and it was pretty much none other than Samoa Joe himself. It was a very, very seminal moment. Okay. Well, Mr. Omega, in your, in your match uh, in Tennessee with this uh, church pew-like uh, uh, congregation or setting, in the first two minutes of the video, you told the crowd that they were by far the ugliest crowd you had ever seen in your extensive travels, what were some of the states or cities that you had been to uh, or been looking uh, at 
where the crowd was in shape and they looked fairly uh, decent. What, what cities and states were, were the crowds much more, uh, how would you say, becoming eye holders? Than Tennessee. Fair question. Never seen one. Oh. Never seen one. <laughs> oh, well, you might be Never stuck looked in out at a wrestling crowd where I was like, you know what? That is a beautiful group of humans. I ain't seen it yet. Boy, you might have to wrestle out in Malibu, California then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, Mr. Omega, you also told the crowd that they had a rather – repugnant smell about them, and many of, of them were in need of oral care. Well, Mr. Omega, do you know that in 1988, on their Girls, Girls, Girls tour, bass player Nikki Six of Motley Crue and drummer Tommy Lee made a bet to go a month without showers or the use of deodorant. And the one who would get the most girls in bed at the end of this month, would win a bottle of Jack Daniels and three and a three pack of Irish Spring soap and bragging rights. Did you hear about this? I did not, but that is the most motley crew story I've ever heard. Yes, they just decided to you know to go a month without showering. One, they didn't really care, and they were making a boatload of money. Plus, they were under the influence quite a bit of the time, so they could withstand their own smell. And they also had a theory that girls would be attracted to the, these uh, pheromones that they put out at the end of the month. That's, that was their theory. Which brings me to my other question. Have you, you ever used any of Motley Crue's songs as your entrance music? That's a good question. Ooh. 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 Oh, you 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 have done your homework, huh? Yes. Pretty much, yes. So, ah, whew, so when I first uh, started in professional wrestling, uh, it was decided for me that uh, the best way for me to get into the wrestling business was as a doctor. You know, I, I, I was the evil doctor, and I came to the ring to Motley Crue's Dr. Feelgood. Oh, wow. Dr. Feelgood, okay. Holy smokes. Wow. Very good. Okay. Well, yeah, Mr. To Omega, this day, I, I, I still get, like, Vietnam flashbacks anytime I hear that song playing in public. Oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Wow, Dr. Fugit, okay. Man. All right, well, Mr. Omega, I'm somewhat of a video analysis expert, and I have a 98% success rate in guessing a wrestler's weight to within 10 pounds of his true weight and about an inch and a half of his or her height based on video analysis. On my analysis of your match with Kid Wrestling, I am now about to tell you how much I think you weigh and how tall you are. Are you ready? Well, let's give it a shot. I'm going to say six foot tall and one half inch 
and 257 and one quarter pounds. Not bad. Not bad. Little off. No, okay. It was a little bit off on your height. I guess six feet and a half yes. inch. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, so I, I I I project myself with a lot of big energy. You know, I've got I've got fairly good posture, but I am only five foot eight. Whoa! Oh my gosh, I was way off there. Boy. Yeah. All right. How about two hundred and fifty-seven and one quarter pounds? Under 57, you are about eight pounds off. Oh, okay. That was a good comeback. Very good comeback. Okay. It was. I, 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 float, I, I typically float right around uh, between 245 and 249. Oh, okay. Wow. Very nice. Okay. You carry it. You carry it very well. Very good. Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay. Well, Mr. Omega, at the three-minute and 22-second mark of the video, you asked if Kid Wrestling had any family in the building, and you were informed that his sister was there. You told her that she had to be his sister because she was the ugliest person in the building. As she stood next to the apron in her blue Daisy Duke shorts, you said, I want you front and center for this. I want you to look straight into your brother's eyes when I put his lights out once and for all. My question is, are there any truths, truths to the rumors from my new wrestling source of propaganda from the town of Puyallup, Washington, the coach with the most, that after the match, after you had snuck several looks at her during the match, that you decided to take Kid Wrestling's sister out to the local Waffle House for dinner. <laughs> I plead the fifth. Oh, oh, wow, the fifth. Oh, boy. Okay, you plead the fifth. Very good. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, Mr. Omega, we sadly lost the wrestler Zeus, who battled Hulk Hogan on several occasions. Tommy Lister, better known as Debo, on the movie Fridays, was passed away in December of 2020. My question is, are there any truths to the rumors that Hollywood itself has contacted you and they want to do a remake of the first Fridays where you will play the role of Debo and Kid Wrestling will play the role of Smokey? <laughs> I mean, there were talks of it, but at the end of the day, they couldn't afford me, and Kid Wrestling was too ugly to play Smokey. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, I'm just saying, Mr. Omega, that I would have paid big money to see you and Big Perm, I mean, Big Worm interact. That would have been great. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Omega, at the 7 minute and 21 second mark of the match, you planted your feet on each side of the second turnbuckle and unstrapped the coal miner's glove. You hit the mat with it at the 7 minute and 26 second mark. And at this time, did you have thoughts like, hey, now that I have a coal miner's glove, 
I can run out of here and get work in a Tennessee coal mine because I already have a strong back and a glove, so my overhead costs will be diminished. Let me be counted out of this match. Did that ever cross your mind? It did not. I wanted to put out Kid Wrestling's light so I could get out of Tennessee as quick as I could. Oh, okay. The last thing I was going to do was try to find work in Tennessee. Oh, well, for one, I'm glad that you didn't find work in Tennessee because I am still holding out hope that you will accept that offer from Hollywood and be in the, in the community play Fridays where you play Debo. That's what I'm hoping. Okay. Very good. Okay. Well, Mr. Omega, do you yourself own a pit bull puppy like superstar, superstar of TNA Pope does? Pope owns a pit bull. Not yet, but soon, I'm hoping. Uh, actually, uh, just got a new house uh, sitting on a nice chunk of property. Uh, unfortunately, when you live certain places, there's a lot of bias, you know, against certain dog breeds. Uh, but now that, you know, I've got my own place, my own property, you know, absolutely. I feel like it's only right, you know, you can't beat a pit bull without a pit bull. I can't run pit bull fitness without a pit bull. Wow. Okay. Very good. I agree with that. Okay. Okay. Well, Mr. Omega, you told Sign Guy that you grew up in a slightly rough neighborhood. If you could time travel and have a choice of one of these two tag teams to, to be a partner of, keeping in mind time travel, which one would you choose to be a part of? The Harlem Heat or Crime Time? Can I just put them both together and and, and be and make it a faction and call it like you know Harlem Crime or Heat Time or can can, can we just put both together? Well, seeing as you will uh, hopefully uh, take on the role of Debo in a remake of Fridays, I say you can. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and start a faction called Harlem Crime then. That's, I, I feel like that would have been the perfect little crossover. Wow. Very nice. Okay. All right. Well, Mr. Omega, it was great talking with you. And at this time, I'm turning it back over to Sign Guy. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Well, Omega, you say that you can't be the pit bull without a pit bull, but have you ever faced one-on-one the pit bull Gary Wolf of ECW fame? I think I lost you for a second, son. Can I say it again? You say that the pit bull can't be a Pitbull without a Pitbull, but have you ever faced Pitbull Gary Wolf of ECW fame? I have not, but I'd welcome it. I'd, I'd, I'd welcome I'd welcome a match with any other Pitbull out there. Uh, Pitbull Brad Eisen, you know, the Stone Pitbull, you know, Tomohiro Ishii. I'd, I'd, I would love to take on any and every other Pitbull out there. Well, I, I have the contact information for Pitbull Gary Wolf if you ever need it. 
Indeed. We, we may have to have a little conversation later, Sanga. Indeed so. Uh, being based in Louisville, you are from one of the richest wrestling historical cities anywhere. Uh, wrestling dates back to the late 1800s in Louisville. Uh, it was ran by several promotions over the years. Uh, Dick the Bruiser ran it for many years. It was part of the Memphis office for many years. Um, Madman Pondo has ran it for girls' fight. IWA Mid-South is in the Louisville area. Ohio Valley Wrestling. All the major national companies have ran Louisville at some point in time or another. What's it like for you knowing that in your hometown where you're from, there's just so much rich wrestling history right there? It's the coolest thing in the world, you know, especially growing up a wrestling fan. You know, uh, I, I can remember being a kid, and, you know, a lot of the guys who would go on to be superstars, you know, when I was younger, you know, we see them, you know, all the time. Like, not only, you know, get to watch them wrestle, but, you know, you, you could just be out, you know, with your parents at Walmart. You know, you could be, you know, getting a bite to eat somewhere, and all of a sudden there's John Cena, you know, there's Mark Henry. There's the big show. You know, we we got to see a lot of these guys, like, as they were finding their foot, you know, in wrestling. You know, we we got to go to the OVW shows and see, you know, John Cena and Batista and the Bashams, you know, Randy Orton, Shelton Benjamin, Brock Lesnar. You know, I, I remember uh, getting to see, like, CM Punk when he was coming through OVW. Like, you know, growing up as a kid in Louisville and being a wrestling fan used to be the coolest thing in the world. You know, some of these guys, you know, that you got to see who then went on to be, you know, just these monumental, you know, size talent. We are down to the final few minutes of the show today, and I want to give you ample time. If there is anything you'd like to say to the listeners, plug and promote anything and everything you'd like, social media, merchandise, upcoming shows, your new business, your favorite dry cleaner, anything at all floor is all yours. I appreciate it, Sanga. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to give a shout-out and a thank you to anybody and everybody who supported me over the years, uh, taking a chance on me over the years, giving me an opportunity over the years. Uh, i got to give a shout-out to my wrestling mom and dad, uh, Miss Hollywood, Angie Rainbow Wilkerson, uh, my wrestling dad, you know, Pops, Vic the Bruiser, um, I got to give a shout-out to some of the people who have given me opportunities um, here lately and some people who have given me opportunities in the past. Uh, Scott Diamond, Terry England, uh, Larry D., y'all brought him up. Larry was very, very helpful for me when I was first starting out. He was very, very, very generous and very giving a lot of information that he had. Um, shout-outs to, you know, a lot of it, um, to a few individuals who are unfortunately no longer with us, uh, Tracy Smothers. One of the most, I mean, universally, you know, you will never, we will probably never see anybody in this business again who was just as generous and as genuine and as just helpful and willing to give everything that he had to anybody as Tracy Smothers. Um, Bert Prentice. Bert was 
just Bird gave me so many opportunities that I mean I would have never gotten otherwise or anywhere else in the world. Uh, Bird gave me opportunities to grow, to learn, to develop. Bird gave me opportunities that I honestly didn't even deserve, you know, and never had a second thought about it. You know, Bird, Bird, Bird came. Along, I, I, I was lucky enough to meet Bird at a time where I questioned a lot about myself, not only as a wrestler but as a person. And Bert was one of those people that was always going to tell you exactly what you needed to hear to get you back on track, whether you wanted to hear it or not. And I, I will never be able to thank him enough for that. I'll never be able to say enough good things about him. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, my homies Matt and Julian over at Subzilla Clarksville. Uh, anybody who's ever looking for any type of supplementation, pre-workout, post-workout, protein, vitamins, energy drinks, and anything and everything in between, Subzilla Clarksville uh, over in Clarksville, Indiana. Uh, obviously, I'd like to give a shout out to the business, uh, Pitbull Fitness. Anybody in the Kentuckiana area looking for personal training, workout plans, meal plans, virtual training, in-person training, feel free to um, hit us up on Facebook, uh, Pitbull Fitness 502, Instagram, Pitbull Fitness 502. Uh, if you got the number, go ahead and give me a shout. If you don't have it, obviously you can't give me a shout. I'm going to give a shout-out to uh, Miss Lucille's Macro Meals. That's our meal prep company. I'm going to give a shout-out to my homie Sign Guy for having me on the show in the first place. And, again, just thank you to anybody and everybody who's ever supported me over the years, anybody and everybody who's ever, you know, let me ride along in a car, put a good word for me in somebody else's ear. Uh, big shout-out to Sir Mo, uh, Bobby Horn, uh, owner of the OIWA down in Tennessee, SOAR Championship Wrestling. Uh, man, Bobby is one of those guys who has gone so far out of his way to do so many great things for not only his guys down there in Texas, but I mean, a lot of us, I mean, all over the country, you know, Bobby's, you know, helped some of us do things that we hadn't done before. He's uh, helped some of us work, you know, matches that were dream opportunities for some of us. You know, he's, every time you get to go work for him, it's always a learning opportunity. So big shout out to him, OIWA, SOAR Championship Wrestling, uh, Chaotic Kingdom Wrestling down there. Uh, he runs a, uh, Training school, bumps and bruises, absolutely awesome things coming from his graduates down there. Uh, big shout-out to Dante Smiley, who's one of the heads of the locker room down there. Absolutely awesome guy, one of the most motivating individuals that you'll ever meet in your entire life. And, again, just big thank you to anybody and everybody who's ever, you know, cheered, ever booed, ever taken a chance on me. Can't thank you enough. Omega, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show here on an individual basis. We definitely appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Hopefully 2022 will see us get back into a locker room together one more time. Always a pleasure to see you. And I want to wish you the best of luck, not only in wrestling, but your new fitness facility. I hope that's a huge success for you. I appreciate it, son, guy. And absolutely. Anytime we could ever share a locker room, brother, it's always a fun time to be had. Absolutely. Fans, if you have not checked out Omega, definitely rectify that. Get on the YouTubes, watch his matches. He's a fantastic talent. You will definitely enjoy him. If you're in the greater Louisville area and you need to get in shape, hit him up. He can help you out with the fitness. So take advantage of that. He's very, very good at what he does. Also, I'd like to Make mention, I forgot it in our opening plugs, but if you're in the Seattle area, 
today like I am. You can also find SOS Pro Wrestling today. That is happening later this evening in Seattle, so check them out if you're near there. And we will be back with you Sunday afternoon. We have referee J.B. Stewart, second-generation performer, young man I have known since he was but a wee-wee young man. So make sure you have plans to be with us for that. And we will talk to you soon. Everybody stay safe. Get out there, support your local independence. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.